0: Good morning, Calvary. Again, it is great to see you here. I love it. I love seeing you here. Uh, I think it's worth it. It's worth the risk. <laughs> That's the name of our series. And so we are happy to have you here. Um, and, you know, there was, a guy, <laughs> there was a guy that committed himself to run across the Atlantic Ocean in an inflatable hamster wheel. <laughs> Just like, kind of let your mind process that for a second. So this weird, like, inflatable hamster wheel. He was like, "This is my goal. I'm gonna run across the Atlantic Ocean in this hamster wheel. As it'll kind of like slowly move forward as I run." And he almost died doing it. Failed, and then committed himself to do it again. He's like, "Oh, you know what? That didn't work. This is this is worth it. This is worth the risk to run across the Atlantic Ocean." In a hamster wheel, an inflatable one by by that matter. That's. Insane. And it's also stupid. It's like a goal where you're going to say, like, okay, I have this amazing goal. Like, I'm going to risk it all for this goal. Like, uh, you probably know I've talked about him a lot, but I love that guy, Alex Honnold, is the guy, the free solo guy, the guy that climbed uh, El Capitan with no ropes and all that. Like, I just, I think he's so awesome and weird and like, but like, it seems like this cool goal, right? At least that feels like something cool. <laughs> he's risking his life, but it's like, oh, yeah. That's a serious goal to achieve. But running across the Atlantic in a hamster wheel, I just don't, (laughs) it's just not worth it, right? It's just not worth the risk. But that's what we're talking about today. Like, what is worth the risk? This whole thing of following Jesus is hard. It's risky. There's like a uh, a lot of bad things can happen. And especially back in these Bible times, a lot of really bad things could happen. Depending on maybe where you live in the world today and what you're doing, some really bad things can happen. Is following Jesus worth the risk? And I say, yes, absolutely. So this is a series we'll be doing from now to about the end of the summer, all going through this book of Second Timothy. It's this letter from Paul to Timothy. So we're just going to be looking at the first couple verses today, but we're looking into this uh, kind of more of like a, a description of the whole book, the whole series today, and some into the intro. But if you want to start turning there uh, in your paper Bible, on your device, whatever, you can look to 2 Timothy 1 and the first couple verses. But this, this book is uh, what, it's one of a, a set of books called the Pastoral Epistles, Okay, it's a letter from Paul that's not to a church or to a location. It's to a specific person. Okay, so this one is to Timothy in the second of these letters to Timothy. It's written near the end of his life. All right, near the end of Paul's life, he spent a lot of time traveling. He's sharing his faith, starting churches. He's been in prison before, and he's in prison again. So he's in prison now while he's writing this. And he's waiting. He's in the middle of a court trial that's not going well for him. He's felt isolation in the midst of this time. He says, only Luke is with me. Everybody else has abandoned me everybody else has deserted me and then he names some names in this book too which is also kind of you know it's kind of scandalous like first century scandal you know like, like so he's calling people out by name these people that have abandoned him and even the fact that like if everybody's deserted him we think of paul as this great hero of the faith He didn't seem that popular then, right? Not everybody liked him. It was kind of the the artist that wasn't really appreciated in his time. And so that is where, like, that's kind of like where Paul is coming from as he writes this. But he's he's also, like I said, kind of this is nearer to the end of his life. And I think a lot of the suffering that he's experienced and a lot of the, the mission that he's experienced through his life has even kind of softened him a bit. Like, he's a little gentler, in, and I mean, it's often like in like, in a good way. Like, he's a little gentler in his approach. You see, like, even some people kind of feel like, and sometimes I feel this way when I read Paul, like, he's just like... He's a little abrupt and direct and maybe sometimes harsh. And you're kind of like, wow, man, I don't know if I would have enjoyed being around him. I, I, I like what he's telling me about Jesus, but I don't know if he would have been fun at parties, right? Like, and so I think that's some of what Paul is like. But here you have in this book where his just is a little gentler. And part of that is because it's to a person that he really, really loves. He loves Timothy deeply. In these couple of verses he'll call him my beloved son. All throughout the whenever he talks about Timothy it's just it's gushing. Paul loves Timothy. They're partners in ministry. Paul is like this is more of the mentor father figure obviously to Timothy, but they've been through a lot of hard stuff together and Paul loves him and so he speaks in sort of a way of loving him and so even like, uh, like uh, something to think about here is as we get older, right? And all of us are getting older, whether you th- you're self-identifying as young or old right now as I say these words, which I always allow people to do because, you know, it's not always great to call somebody old. But um, within that, <laughs> we're all getting older. As we get older... Are we becoming like, more loving and gentle and kind? Or are we kind of getting a little grumpy and cranky? You know, <laughs> like, I don't know. It's going to go one of two ways. And so I just want to encourage you. Paul, as he gets older, becomes, he's steadfast committed to the gospel. No joke. But he's also kind of, gets, gets a little gentler and more loving as he gets older. So anyway, let's read these first two verses. I'll talk through some details as we go through it as well. But it says, Paul... Introducing himself, this is the author, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. So Paul is here saying, and he's talking to somebody that really knows him. So it's kind of interesting. Like, okay, what are you doing here? Like, what, I, you know me? Like, what are we? <laughs> what are you doing? But he's. I think what, what a lot of what he's doing in this intro is he's saying how important the mission of the gospel, the good news of Jesus is. He's reinforcing this because even through this letter, he's trying to help Timothy not give up, like stay strong, stay focused on your calling. So Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, someone, apostle, someone that is sent out to tell others about Jesus, to plant new churches, someone that's been with Jesus, and then now he's taking this message of Jesus ...to others, and for him it's this movement of him helping someone become a follower of Jesus who will then help someone else become a follower of Jesus. It's a disciple. He's making a disciple who's making disciples, right? That's kind of this this chain that's, that's going, this multiplication cycle that we want. We want that today. We want that here. We want that around the world. But that's what Paul is all about as an apostle. Disciples making disciples who are making disciples. All right, so Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. I'm doing all of this by the will of God. This is what God's will is for me. It's what God's will is for all of us is for this disciple-making movement. And he says, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. So you think eternal life. You think the resurrection, the promise of life in Christ Jesus. We just celebrated Easter and it's all about this promise of life. But it will also be a life of suffering. But it's an abundant life at the same time. And you got to realize too, he's in prison saying, it's all about the promise of life in Christ Jesus, right? And you're like, you're in prison, that's rough, everyone's abandoned you. But that's still his perspective, and I love that. That's what's beautiful about Paul here, is that he believes that there's this promise of life in Jesus, even in this dark time for him. And then he says to Timothy, verse 2. So to Timothy, my beloved son. Now just a little bit here real quick about... Timothy. Some interesting things about Timothy. Timothy has an interesting upbringing. If you want to read a little bit more about him, uh, you can see it in Acts 16. But Timothy, his father was Greek and his mother was Jewish but a Jewish believer in Jesus now. So he's got this kind of interesting upbringing for people in this time, right? So he's got this Greek upbringing and then as well as this Jewish uh, follower of Jesus upbringing. And he's traveled with Paul a lot on his missionary journeys He's the pastor for a time at the church in Ephesus, which is this major church in that region of the world. But he's just team Paul. Timothy is team Paul. He is fan you know, of Paul and he follows Paul. He does, like, he does this calling that Paul is giving to him and he's committed to it and he's a friend of Paul and he supports Paul in all of this stuff. Something kind of intense. Paul circumcised Timothy as an adult. How do you like that? (laughs) Worth the risk. Worth the risk. Is it worth the risk? He was all the way. That's crazy. So anyway, just that's a little, you know, side note for you. But that's in Acts 16. You can read about it in Acts 16. It's great. It's a great read. Uh, All right. So let's get into a couple of these main points that we have here of what this book is then really all about. The first half of this book, I just kind of describe the general theme as Timothy, accept your calling. You have this calling, accept it. Don't be ashamed of it. You'll see throughout this book a lot of unashamed. Don't be ashamed. Be unashamed for the gospel. Don't be ashamed, Paul says, of me or the stigma of me being in prison. Because that's part of why people were bailing out, people think. Because he's in prison. People are like, well, you're in prison. You must have done something. Like they're all bailing out on him and nobody is sticking with him in the midst of this. That, hey, this is risky but the resurrection and the grace of Jesus is the source of power that we have in the midst of this risky time. And so even when this isn't easy, it requires everything, a lot of work. And he, he'll describe what it's like to follow Jesus as a soldier, as an athlete, and as a farmer, so that there's this hard work then training that goes into all of these things. And that is required. And there's risk involved for like some of these people and in, in, in the soldier especially. But there is risk involved in this and it's worth it. So he's telling them this requires full commitment. Full commitment. And so I think even for us today a way of thinking of this accept your calling is that a full commitment to Jesus is worth it a full commitment to Jesus is really all there is, is what Paul's saying. There's no such thing as kind of like, well, you know, kind of a half-hearted following of Jesus. This is all you have. Accept your calling to be fully committed to the good news of the gospel and going for it. Now, I was just at a These last few days, I was just at a kind of a vision and fundraising event for Greater Europe Mission, this missions agency that we're involved with here at Calvary. We support a few different GEM missionaries, and we have this part of our, like, even our strategy of global missions is that we we want Bibles for everyone, and we want to reach Europe, because Europe is now less than 2% evangelical, and we have seen a huge, huge influx of people that used to live in the 1040 window, this area of the world that is so hard to get into a lot of these countries in the Middle East and Northern Africa and parts of Asia. And so many people have flooded into Western Europe now. And so we can actually reach and, and be able to communicate and share the gospel with people that we weren't able to before. And so we really believe in this mission. But anyway, I was just Part of this thing, and one of the uh, people that, one of the missionaries with Jem that spoke uh, was this couple named Josh and Melanie. And Josh and Melanie are a young couple, uh, I think they're now in their 30s, but it was about nine years ago when they were in their late 20s, that they, at their church, their pastor was talking about this this re- the beginnings of this refugee uh, crisis happening in Europe, and he said, I I believe there are people in this room today that are going to pack their bags and go. And Josh and Melanie heard that message, and they did. They said, okay, we're in. Like, how do we do this? Let's go. And they had a little baby, and a little baby, and they went and moved to the island of Lesvos, Greece, where the Moria refugee camp was, and they're working in that camp. And this guy, Josh, just had this radical ministry of... Uh, just talking with people about Jesus, serving people in their need, but talking about Jesus. And he led this Muslim scholar in the camp to Christ. That was a combination of Josh talking with him and him having dreams. Like we've heard so often of Muslims having dreams of a man in white that was Jesus appearing to them and he helped lead him to Christ who has then led so many that 200 people in the Moria refugee camp receive Christ and be baptized. Radical, yeah, radical stuff. It's all according to the power of God but it's also the yes of Josh and Melanie to go, right? They said it's worth the risk even though we have a baby. And then they had another kid while they were there. Like to have these little kids, you think living in this place, like what what are we doing? Right? Some people think what are you doing? Are you crazy? And and yeah, a little bit cuz following Jesus, it's full obedience is full obedience, right? And so for them, they they got the call and they answered it and they went. And they began to then share with others who shared with others, right? That whole disciple-making kind of cycle and multiplication process was going with them. And that's so awesome. And so I even just want you to think about that, whether you're in some faraway part of the world or right here in Orange County, is who are you showing Christ to with your life? Of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple And how can then they see that, and you help them be a disciple who makes disciples, right? That same thing can and should happen here, and it's worth the risk. It's worth the risk for us to do that here and now. Like, you know, we think about risk here. What what are our risks here in Orange County? I mean, a lot of times there may be more things like embarrassment, people sort of treating us differently people, maybe even sort of getting canceled or something like that, like some sort of thing like that where you could get in trouble at work, like if you were to share the gospel. I always want to remind people, like, just remember, like, we do speak the truth in love, but we don't just, like, speak the truth without the love. Like, sometimes, like, we think, like, well, I'm just being persecuted for my faith. Like, be careful you're not just being persecuted because you're a jerk you know so we have to like check that a little bit and make sure we're speaking the truth in love and that's why it's like also good in person not like big declarations on social media all the time or like what you stand for or against it's like more about having relationships with other human beings that are image bearers of god and having conversations about what it looks like to follow jesus and so we want to like incorporate that into our risk assessment it is also not adding to our risk but being a jerk about it. But we can experience embarrassment or family rejection. We can can experience a change of plans. We think we've got a plan of where our life is going and what our life is about. And then we we hear a call from God and we go, oh, oh dear. (laughs) This is different than what my plans were. I'm going to actually have to change my plans. And that's like, I don't mean to belittle that because it's actually a pretty big deal in our lives. Like, we're, It's a big deal of the stuff that we're wanting to do with our lives. And so to change that can be hard. And so I want to encourage you to consider these risks. You think about Timothy. We're talking about this book, The End of Timothy's Life. He, uh, he's living in this place, Ephesus. And Ephesus was all about worship of Diana, the goddess Diana. I mean, it's like the big deal there, okay? And it was like one of the biggest temples of the ancient world was there in this place to Diana. And so there was a festival to Diana, and there was a procession that was going through the streets... And this is not in the Bible. This is like more like historical tradition kind of a thing, okay? And so then there's this procession going through the streets of these worshipers of, of Diana. And Timothy came out and stopped them and began to preach the gospel to them. And they beat him, dragged him to the streets, and then stoned him to death. And in that moment, that's, that was Timothy, the end of Timothy's life. And for him, it was worth the risk. For him, he accepted his calling that no matter what would happen, it was worth the risk for him. But risk for us is, you know, it varies, right? It varies on what is that risk going to be for each of us in our lives. The risk varies. The commitment shouldn't. The commitment should be full for all of us. Uh, in a moment here, I'm going to invite up uh, a couple of, in our church named Brian and Amy. Amy. If you are watching online, you're going to see a video uh, about them and their ministry, but we're going to maybe go a little deeper in here. Uh, okay? And so we're going to talk about it, and we're not going to talk about some details online because where they go and what they do is is risky, all right? And we don't want to jeopardize them, but also we really don't want to jeopardize their mission. Like, they want to be able to stay on their, their mission and not have that jeopardized. So... Let's uh, invite up Brian and Amy. Come on up and we can play that video.
1: Hi, Calvary Church. We are the S family. We uh, work with Reach Global in a Muslim context in Central Asia. It's a restricted access country and region. And we work in making disciples of Muslims uh, to come to faith in Jesus.
2: I grew up in the Philippines and in Papua New Guinea. My parents are also reach global workers with Calvary Church. I was surrounded by Bible translators and very aware as a young child for the need for people who had never met a Christian in their life to have the opportunity to hear about Jesus. But it wasn't until um, university that I really started to gain more of an understanding of the Muslim world and I realized that a lot of Muslims believe that they are only going to be accepted into heaven if Allah is having a good day and decides to let them in and somehow that relates to the amount of good works that they've done in their lives and I realized that as, as a girl I, I struggled with wanting to be perfect and wanting to earn God's favor. And I kind of put the two together and realized I actually had a lot in common with Muslims in some ways.
1: I grew up here in Orange County, uh, in the city of Orange, and went to Villa Park High School and then to our local Christian university. Uh, Really it starts with a trip that I took in college uh, uh, to serve in Albania and in Kosovo. And I thought maybe this is where the Lord was sending us. And it was really clear that the Lord was saying that he would raise up the Albanian church to do that job. And he was saying, will you go to the places and peoples where no one will go, where there's no workers, where there's no chance for the gospel to really take root? Will you go to those places? So I'm saying, well, where is that? And as I began to really research and and look into that, our region in Central Asia really popped off the map. You know, when push comes to shove in some of these really tough circumstances uh, that we face, whether it's um, security uh, issues or getting visas or um, knowing what to say or how to approach really difficult uh, cultural circumstances, those things are push you to the brink of what you think you can do and you realize that you can trust Jesus.
2: Yeah, when we got overseas, culture shock hit me hard. Language learning hit hard, and I realized I was really weak and didn't have a lot to offer, but his gentleness and his kindness in this whole whole journey has just been um, such a recurring theme for me, and I'm so, I'm so thankful for that. For us, we spend uh, most mornings a week working on our Russian language studies, which is a very long-term process, and our Russian language tutor has become my dearest friend there. So um, those kinds of friendships are a really big deal because the people that we live and work among are traditionally very fearful of outsiders and so we we have to devote a lot of time to just building trust and relationships.
1: My day is very different than my wife's. Uh, my work, I have a business uh, there in-country and so I do a lot of ethnographic research which, which really simply puts. Uh, Studying language and culture and what makes people tick and and cultures tick and why do people do certain things and uh, One part of what we do is cultural preservation Which is great because it means in the large mountains that surround us that we can use that to gain access to villages and people ethnicities where no one has ever gone before and so we're going and building relationships and engaging with people and just starting spiritual conversations uh, like my friend Muhammad, you ask him about something and he just absolutely blows your mind with his answer and you go, you're a spiritually hungry person and he's my deepest friend uh, um, at this point and uh, he is open to spiritual things about Jesus and so I think that really as you've heard in this time that our goal is to see people following Jesus and sometimes that's kind of ethereal. Well, what does that mean? Really, in in short, we want to see a movement of people sweep across our region where the gospel has never been planted before uh, so that they have opportunities like we have here in uh, Southern California. Uh, The growth of the gospel in the U.S. and and in the Western world, we want to see that opportunity given to people, uh, Muslims, who have never had that opportunity before.
0: So, Brian and Amy will be out by the connection point, out in the lobby with more of those prayer guides. We'd love to just keep praying with them. And I just want to even pause right now. This is, I want to pray right now, but also even just kind of like recognizing this period in our service where we worship in our giving. And as we give, we give towards our general fund, which is our local, our ministry here, and our ministry locally, but also our REACH fund, which is our global missions fund, as we give to support people like Brian and Amy, like Jem, like Greater Europe Mission, like all these People around the world, in every region of the world where Calvary is serving on all the continents except Antarctica, I believe. But we'll keep praying for that. Uh, so let's pray. Let's pray now for them. Oh, Lord, God, we, we love you. And I'm just I'm grateful for the example and the inspiration of people like Brian and Amy, Lord, who are serving you faithfully. Lord, they answered your call. And so, God, I pray that you would bless their ministry. God, bless their obedience. Bless the the commitment that they have made, Lord, to you. But just, just I pray, Lord, that you would give them the blessing of being able to bear fruit, to see a harvest, Lord. Lord, but thank you that no matter what, they're, they're doing the planting, they're doing the work, God. And so we pray for your Holy Spirit to invade the hearts and minds of the people there where they serve lord and i pray god we would see miracles that we would see you revealing yourself in these supernatural ways god and i pray lord jesus that you would also work in each one of us of how we would answer the call you have in our lives in jesus name amen all right, not done. Okay, you're not done yet. You got to listen a little bit more. Uh, okay, so the where there, this goes is like following, you know, doing this thing of accepting your calling and, and its full commitment to Jesus is worth the risk. One thing I want you to think about for you is what is the next risk? What's the next small risk for you? Sometimes it's not just about the big step of like, hey, we're going to go overseas we're going to do this big radical thing. Maybe it is, but it's most often it's what's the next small risk. And what's interesting is even for Brian and Amy, they have to be thinking about what's the next small risk that God is calling them to. We're not done. We haven't arrived. Nobody's arrived We keep taking these small steps of risk in our following of Jesus. Now, it might be a big risk. I would love to have somebody here in this room today or watching online say, yes, I'm in, I'm packing my bags and I'm willing to go. I'm willing to go to Europe, I'm willing to go to Lesbos, I'm willing to go to Asia, wherever you want me, God, in the Muslim world, like I am committed to go. And so maybe God is speaking to you today to take that radical step. We need more, I love these like young families that are willing to go. We need more young and old that say, I'm willing to go. No matter what life stage I'm in, Lord. It's about my calling, not my readiness or something. So I'm going I'm to follow that call. And if that's you, just talk to us. There's no card to fill out. If you're committed to go live your life overseas, I think you can figure out how to send me an email or call me. Okay? (laughs) So let's talk about it. And and let's talk about that. If that's something that's stirring in you, let's talk about it. But it's also just what's the next small risk? It could be giving 1% more. You just need to be stretched. You need to push out a little farther. God's like, hey, just push your boat out a little farther cast your nets on the other side. What's that little bit more risk in your life? It could be, like I said, giving 1% more. It could be serving in a ministry at church or in the local community. It could be mentoring someone, saying, okay, I want to help make disciples. I'm going to help someone learn what it's like to follow Jesus and that help them help somebody else then follow Jesus, right? Like, Getting that going in your life. Being a disciple maker who makes disciples that makes disciples. It could be asking someone to mentor you. It could be sharing the gospel. It could be sharing your faith with someone you've been just a little bit scared. What's that next small step of risk in that? It could be when we get them going again. It could be going on that short mission trip somewhere around the world. But it also could be apologizing to someone. You've been waiting too long. And you've needed to apologize to somebody in your life. Or you've needed to be willing to give forgiveness to someone in your life. Or just asking for help. And so we want you to think about that. Like just what is that next small step of risk in your life? So that's that whole first half of this book. And then just very, very, very briefly, just the second half of this book is where he's then telling Timothy, you got to deal with these corrupt teachers that are, that are around, okay? You've got to be able to, there's some false teaching happening, and you got to deal with that. So confront these false teachers, they're influencing these wealthy and influential women in Ephesus, saying the resurrection's already taken place, saying uh, kind of abandon the hope of a future resurrection and us being a new creation, all of that. He says he have got to appoint faithful leaders who will teach truth. For us, it's kind of like, hey, we need to keep the main thing, the main thing. It's keep the gospel. He's saying to Timothy, like, don't let anybody sort of twist and skew the gospel of Jesus. Keep The main thing, the main thing, that all scripture is useful and it's good for that of telling this unified story of the whole scriptures that leads to Jesus and is all about Jesus. And that scripture is going to be good for teaching, challenging, correcting, training. And so we got to keep the main thing, the main thing and not get distracted by a bunch of other things that we can get distracted by. Keep the good news, the gospel central. So it's an encouragement for us we can get off on a lot of things. And they can be good things. And they're even things maybe we should spend a little time on, but not our entire life's focus. Keep the gospel our entire life's focus. And then we work on some other stuff, yeah. But keep the main thing the main thing. And then he closes and he just basically says, hey, Timothy, I'm probably not going to get out of here alive. So you've got to come visit me. And will you bring me a coat? And will you bring me my scrolls? And he says, watch out for that dude, Alexander. He's a bad guy, okay? Like, he just like says some stuff like that. I love like the personal stuff at the end. He's like, can you bring me my coat? It's a little chilly here. And I want my scrolls because I'm bored. I need to read. (laughs) Stuff like that. Uh, and, And he's just, again, almost everyone has abandoned me, but Jesus hasn't. This is worth the risk. Following Jesus is worth it. And so for response today, how can you take one small step of risk for Jesus today? What is that for you, specifically for you? There should not be one person listening to this that doesn't get something in mind. What is that for you? Is that sharing your faith with someone again? Is that Living out the gospel in some way. Whatever that looks like for you. Taking one small step of risk for Jesus. So I pray that for us as we go through this book. I pray that you will realize, deep down understand, following Jesus is hard. Following Jesus is beautiful. But it's hard. He talks about suffering. It's it's a given no matter what. But he says it's worth it. And Jesus is worthy of a life that takes risks for him. Let me pray for us. Lord, we we want to live for you, God. We want to live an obedient life. We want to live a radical life, a life of purpose and meaning, God. But it's scary. It's genuinely scary sometimes. And so, God, I pray for your Holy Spirit that you would... Give us courage, Lord, from you. Power from you, Lord. A trust in you. This is all according to your power and your grace. And so we lean into that, Lord. We trust you for it. And God, help us to not just sit here and watch. No matter what age we are, no matter how young or how old we are, God, help us to realize we're never done. I pray, Lord, that our life of risk would rise up as worship to you, God. As much as these songs we will sing now, God. And so we say, we love you, Lord. You are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen.